I think Jumpstart is effective because it's approachable. When you think like, you know, I work in real estate, it's a lot. Like just the concept of getting into it, when you see people who are ultimately very successful in real estate, they either have a lot of schooling or a lot of money. And a lot of connections. Right, and a lot connect- of connections. Yeah. yeah but, so I think when you're kind of in a neighborhood and you're looking around at the fabric of your of your neighbors and you're like, wait, can I do this? If those two things are not in your you know pocket, you immediately think, I can't do this. Exactly. And I think Jumpstart makes it approachable. <laughs> Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. everyone out there listening and welcome to another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Today's guest is Taya Wynn, who is an advocate for affordable housing and community development here in Philadelphia. Taya is the Director of Project Planning for Habitat for Humanity here in Philadelphia, and she serves as Project Manager for Acquisition, Design, and Permitting phases of uh, their projects. She also works on affordable housing policies with local civic organizations. Uh, prior to joining Habitat for Ham- Humanity, Taya previously worked at the Philadelphia Housing Authority and previously before that at the Logan Community Development Corp. So her knowledge and experience working with community groups, real estate developers, and nonprofits runs very deep. Taya grew up in Chicago and is a graduate of Syracuse and the University of Pennsylvania, where she got a master's degree in architecture. She's interested in the urban fab- fabric of inner city communities and finding ways to use design to uplift, restore, and rebrand communities. In addition to all of this, Taya is also one of the leaders of the Jumpstart West Philly group, which she's going to tell us more about today. Welcome to the show, Taya. Good morning, TGIF. Yes, TGIF. So when I originally heard that Habitat for Humanity was linking up with the Jumpstart Germantown concept, I thought that was positively brilliant. It makes so much sense. Habitat for Humanity is known for affordable housing, home repair, and neighborhood revitalization, and the Jumpstart Germantown concept is all about creating opportunities for local residents to become real estate developers to revitalize neighborhoods. What could be better? So, Taya, can you tell us more about Habitat for Humanity's mission and how you came to launch the Jumpstart concept in West Philadelphia? Absolutely. So Habitat nationally was based around a shared idea of housing. So it was supposed to bring volunteers 
um, and community members together to create safe, decent, affordable housing. That's always been the most important um, tenant. Locally, our goal is a Philadelphia where everyone has safe, affordable places to live. Um, and so we do that locally by building um, homes. So that's both rehabs and new construction for home ownership opportunities for families but earning between 30 and 60% of area median income. And then we also repair homes for low-income families that are earning below 80% AMI. So when did your connection with the Jumpstart program begin? So connection with Jumpstart actually goes back a little bit. So I actually know Ken Weinstein. He was a supporter of Logan CDC when I worked at Logan, which is how I first got introduced to him many years ago. And we've just continuously crossed paths over the years because, you know, he is a very strong supporter of community-based development. And so kind of separate from Habitat, but piece of Habitat, uh, I'm also active with the West Philadelphia Promise Zone. Um, and I have been across a few different positions I was in. I'm actually the chair of the housing subcommittee. Um, and so about five years ago, the subcommittee had started to hear about Jumpstart Germantown when it was really new and had gotten really into the idea of how this could work. Could it work in another neighborhood? Um, and so around the table, which is a lot of other housing education and uh, community providers in West Philadelphia, we kept thinking, like, what could we do? Could, is this possible? Could we kind of borrow the idea we had been meeting with him for a few years to see uh, what was possible. Like, could we pilot it? And then, lo and behold, last year, there was a pilot with LISC, which is the Local Initiative Support Corporation here in Philadelphia, to pilot a jumpstart. So they awarded three neighborhoods. Um, and our committee put in from around the collective table, um, a few organizations from the committee said, how about that we come together? It was all nonprofits, all focused on housing in West Philadelphia in some way. How can we come together and kind of do this in this neighborhood? Okay, that's great. So one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Promise Zones, that's a really interesting concept. Let's just kind of take a little bit of a detour. Can you talk a little bit about the Promise Zones? Because I know that goes back to the Obama administ administration, right? Correct. So the Promise Zone is a federal designation that came out during the Obama administration. And the idea of it was to kind of spur collaborative effort in communities that were community-driven. Um, and so there's no funding attached to it, but it does give you preference points for federal and local city funding, um, sometimes even state funding. And the idea is that you're supposed to kind of bring the neighborhood up as a collective. Um, around our table, it's the NACs, which is the Neighborhood Advisory Councils. Um, both all the CDCs that kind of service the West Philadelphia boundary are there. There's a lot of other housing providers, Fair Housing Rights Center. Um, we've got Intercultural Family Services, which is the housing education a partner for West Philadelphia. And then there's a myriad of city agencies and other housing providers. Habitat is one. So around our table, the, the organizations that came together to do Jumpstart West Philly, so it was Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia, the Enterprise Center, People's Emergency Center, also known as PEC, and Mount Vernon Manor CDC. And we've been working for about a year now. So how has that been? Because there sounds like there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen there. Uh, I mean... So. It sounds like a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I think it works pretty well. Everybody comes to the table with like a unique skill that they bring. So everybody, we, we clearly outlined what each organization was bringing. Mm -hmm. um, the CDCs are mainly bringing their connections. So we're using them to help help find students. They're doing a lot of the marketing and community outreach around finding the students. 
myself and PEC, so Habitat and PEC are really the lead partners in the education portion, although this year the Enterprise Center has been doing more because we've involved their uh, community development finance institution. So now the CDFI is taking on a lot of the financial piece, okay. which is great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is good. It is really good. Uh, we've also been working with a funding partner, the Reinvestment Fund. So we've been trying to figure out a, a loan product that would kind of mimic the Germanstown product because it's so unique. And so because everybody kind of has their role and plays their part, it actually works really well. Because like an orchestra. It yeah. very yeah. much like, or maybe a chamber, a okay. chamber ensemble. Okay, okay. It's not that many people. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's nice because it gives us all a thing that we can do together. It's nice to work on a, on a project with other organizations, foster that spirit of collaboration. It's really nice to do something that's hyper-local. Like, you know, most of our speakers are from West Philly. All of our participants right. are from West Philly. We do the class in West Philly. Um, so it kind of gives me a little bit of a scenery change with Habitat. We move all over the city through our repair department. But recently, at least since I've been at the organization, all of our new construction, which is mainly what I handle, has been in North Philly. And so it's kind of nice to, like, get out and have a footprint in another neighborhood. Correct. So with regards to Jumpstart West Philly, what are the geographic boundaries, either from, like, a, a street perspective or zip code or... So, yeah. So we have a preference for residents of the Promise Zone itself. And the Promise Zone boundary goes from the river, so, like, around 30th Street Station, uh, to 48th Street, Sampson to Girard. So it's a pretty big area. So kind of a little bit of, um, uh, a lot of Mantua. A lot of Mantua. And a little bit of University City. A little bit of, a little bit of Belmont, a little bit of mm. Mill Creek, a little bit of okay. Walnut Hill. There's, there's a lot of neighborhoods that are in the mix. A little bit of Parkside. But that's just a preference. So okay. our second preference is that you have a connection or live in any part of West Philly. And then the third is Philadelphia. So the priorities kind of go from there. But when we launched last year, we had 190 people on the waiting wow. list. Wow. So how many people have, have gone through the program? So we've had 60 participants and graduates great. so far, which is great. We're really excited. So are you running the, um, the cohorts twice a year? Right now we've done three okay. a year. So we've actually, since last summer, we've done five cohorts. Wow, that's With great. the idea that each calendar year we're trying to do them every three times a year. We've kind okay. of been doing like spring, fall, right. winter. Okay. And skipping summer because we think participation is kind of harder to do in the summer. So in terms of the demographics of the classes, can you talk a little bit more about who's who's showing up? Are the classes mainly men, mainly women? Is a certain age group? You know, um, I, the, the really unique thing is I would not say we have a type. Like, I think that's been one of the most exciting things about doing the class. Now, most people are from West Philadelphia, which is nice. So we do have like a very strong resident contingent. But I would say we, we get everybody. We get men, we get women. I guess unique to us, at least from what I've heard from Ken and Angie about how Jumpstart's been running in Germantown, we're getting a lot of couples. Really? We're getting mother-son teams, oh, brother-sister teams, people who are dating, people who are married, who are looking at this like we should come together and do this as a partnership. That's great. Which is kind of, I think, unique. Yeah, We've that's had a couple great. best friends. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That is great. So why do you think the Jumpstart concept is so effective and I is th so appealing? I think Jumpstart is effective because it's approachable. I mean, when you think like, you know, I work in real estate. I'm sure you, you have a little bit of a background in real estate, I've heard. It's a lot. Like, just the concept of getting into it. When you see people who are 
ultimately very successful in real estate, they either have a lot of schooling or a lot of money. A lot of connections. Right, and a lot of connections. Yeah, Yeah, so I think when you're kind of in a neighborhood and you're looking around at the fabric of your of your neighbors and you're like wait can i do this if those two things are not in your you know pocket you immediately think i can't do this exactly and i think jumpstart makes it approachable because it's like a very quick like for a real estate course right, right? right. Mm-hmm. it happens in what 12 hours and that's three hours, four times. That's something most people can easily commit to. I think it very clearly distills and summarizes kind of the tenets of doing real estate. And it starts it off in a bite-sized chunk. I mean, the smallest mm-hmm. thing you could really do that has an impact outside of like one room of a house is one house. Right. You know, and it's, it's a fabric they should understand because the hope is that most people are flipping a house in their own neighborhood or buying and holding in their own neighborhood. So, like, they should know the property. Like, if you've right. lived in a house, I think one thing that's interesting being an architect is so often people, when I talk to them, think they know nothing about the built environment or how a house goes together or design. And every time I'm like, but don't you live in one? Right. Like, right. you know what's useful in your house. <laughs> right, right. You, anybody can go in their kitchen and say, there's a thing I would like to move because it would be easier for me if it, this was here. Like, that's mm-hmm. really the basic of flipping a house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you, you kind of touched a little bit on your background. Um, you do have a very interesting background. You have undergraduate and graduate degrees in architecture from Syracuse and the University of Pennsylvania. And when you were a kid growing up in Chicago, you were into playing with Legos and building buildings with your Legos. What was it about architecture and urban design that appealed to you so much? Yeah, I don't know. That's is, a hard question. Is it so. just because you grew up in Chicago, the city of, I mean, of iconic buildings? It's iconic. It's a beautiful city. No, I don't think it's just that. So I, as long as I can remember, I've said I wanted to be an architect. I mean, this goes back, I think... I was going into kindergarten and people asked, where are you going to school next year? And I would say, I'm going to MIT for architecture. Oh, that is- and people were like, wait, what? <laughs> Who is this kid? <laughs> and I was, I've asked family friends, like, where did it come from? Did I see it on Sesame Street? Yeah. And they're like, we, they have no idea. Um, but I've always been interested so in the cool. built environment. I've always been interested in my community and buildings. That was always something that was very appealing to me, even as a child. And I think part of it is that, like, my mom was a social worker. Most of our family friends are social workers. And so growing up in a household of, like, social workers, you're always really focused on, like, other people's needs. Mm-hmm. And I think I always understood that housing was kind of the base need. Yeah, it's fundamental. Yeah, if you could fix that, so many other things are better. So you kind of touched on that just now when, because um, I think a lot of people would say, wow, you know, uh, a master's degree in architecture from from Penn, one of the you know the best schools in the country, uh, you know, choosing the career path of nonprofits as opposed to the corporate it's crazy architectural firm. Because a lot of people would say, okay, you know, I'm going to do the corporate route for five years, you know, get my bones there, and then then I'll go do the nonprofit stuff. That's a, a lot of people kind of work out that career path. But you went right into right the world <laughs> of of government, public service, nonprofit. Um, Talk a little bit more about how you see your skills immediately being able to able to immediately apply your knowledge and your expertise and seeing that kind of play out on this broad canvas. So ultimately, I think architecture is about problem solving. Um, You know, it's a field where you learn a lot about. I mean, a little about a lot of things. It's not a little, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of what they say. The difference between architecture and engineering. Engineers learn a lot about one thing, Mm -hmm. and architects learn many things 
Um, and so I think problem solving is like key to community development. There's no way you can get through every day. You're kind of faced with a new thing. And it's like, and we say this all the time at work, it's choose your own adventure every day. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. if I go here, I got to do this, this, and this. And, or I can go over here, but then that's going to change the formula and I have to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at Logan CDC, my coworker, I had a coworker that like very clearly said, no, we're alchemists. Because <laughs> you're taking things that should not go together and you're trying to and make... Creating a new element. Yeah, you know, you're sitting there like, oh, this budget should be 75, I've got 45, but I still got to do all the stuff. Uh, it's not easy work. It's definitely hard work. So kudos to all those other community developments out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure that like all those organizations were so happy to have you because typically somebody with your background would be in the corporate model first, right? Yeah, I mean, typically, I think that is the case. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I had always wanted to end up in, in the public sector. That was not a secret. I mean, it was a public thing when I was in school. It was a conversation that often came up in my, like, classes with my mm. projects I was always the kid that was kind of pushing the envelope and the teachers would say like that's not like how we work that's not how we operate and it was always kind of disconcerting I think I had resolved starting graduate school part of the reason I wanted to go to graduate school is because I knew I was going to have to kind of figure out my own way forward and I knew that having a graduate degree makes it a little easier to kind of forge your own path because you at least you have that like stamp of approval right exactly um, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad place to have to go to get that stamp of oh, approval. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically, I mean, the, the striking thing about Penn is that it is in a neighborhood that has so many contrasts when Absolutely. it comes to the urban design. And it's, it's a whole other radio show. Yeah, it's show. a whole other radio <laughs> show. But yeah, it's yeah. it's really, it's very striking. And so, I think also it's based on the Quaker tenants. So I think of the schools that you could go to, Penn is generally a little more about the collective, uh, which is nice. So, folks, we're talking today with Taya Wynn, Director of Project Planning for Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia, and also one of the leaders of the Jumpstart West Philly Group. So, Taya, talk to us some more about doing real estate development from the perspective of the CDCs. What are some of the primary challenges that you faced doing what you do through the lens of the, the CDCs? So, I think with community development corporations, the three hardest things are access to land, access to funding, and then I think it's just support and belief. I think many times the powers that be that need to give you either the money or the land have this inherent assumption that they cannot do the work, that they don't know how to do it, mm-hmm. or that they're not going to be able to do it, that the project's not going to get finished. Right. So the default is to say no. Versus, they're risky. They're risky. Right, they're risky. Right. As opposed to say yes, and let's figure out how we can do this. And so I think that you know, that's the uphill battle for real estate. If you can't get the land and you can't get the funding, the project doesn't happen. And I don't know, like with CDCs, public-private partnerships are difficult. They're always difficult at every, you know, step. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're easier when the project is huge. It's easier when it's a waterfront development or a campus because there's more money and there's more land in the deal. Everybody can get their little piece right. of the pie. Right. But when you're talking about like these little infill lots and communities, how do, how do you... Yeah. Share the pot. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. And there's not going to be a ribbon-cutting ceremony with the mayor for, yeah, for that uh, sort of could thing. Could be. Could be, <laughs> could be. <laughs> so, you know, so let's go back to Jumpstart. I mean, one of the things that, that you and I had talked about off, you know, offline was that the Jumpstart West Philly operational model and approach does differ from the Jumpstart Germantown model. So can you talk about how your approach in West Philly uh, to running the Jumpstart program is slightly different, the tweak that you've put on it, and why that adaptation was necessary. 
Sure. So I'll say the tweak that we, I'll correct it to we. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that we put on it is uh, we were trying to combat two issues. So the first is we wanted to kind of bring wealth back to the community. We wanted local wealth. We wanted neighbors to feel like they had a piece. If the neighborhood is going to turn, because I think we've all acknowledged yeah. we cannot change the market. Mm-hmm. Can the neighbors that live there benefit and be a part of, our agents in that change. So for us, it was really an anti-gentrification tool. We're trying to like either slow or bring the community with the changes mm-hmm. in the market. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our, and also our class is taught mostly by affordable housing providers. So I think we've really taken this aim of like not trying to get the maximum profit out of the properties. We're not training our students to go in and say, tear down the two-story row house next door, put up the four-story with the bay and the metal and the, you know, the gentrification gray, and then charge $400,000 or make it all, you know, one-bedroom student housing. Right. Because for us in our neighborhood, that is exactly what the neighbors don't want to see. And so we've been trying to help them understand, like, you can create wealth in your neighborhood. You can also restore the fabric of your neighborhood. So we've got to put back what, what you, what you wish to see. And I think it's been going pretty well. We have a lot of conversations in our class about NOAA, um, which is naturally, you know, it's the acronym for naturally occurring affordable housing. Uh, we talk a lot about how do you determine what is affordable for a family um, when we're talking through rents or when we're talking through prices. Uh, typically when we're steering people towards neighborhoods um, or properties, we're looking at neighborhoods that are maybe on the fringe mm-hmm. that have not been hit so hard hit yet. Right, right. Also because access, it's a lot easier to get a property on the fringe than it is to right. get it in a hot zone. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we also try to bring in examples from the neighborhood. So we, we try to bring in either developers that are already working in West Philly. We only bring in developers that we admire. If we think their work is good and we think that they support the vision and like what we're trying to, sh- you know, share with the students, that's who we'll bring. So we're not bringing the folks that everybody's complaining about. You right, know, right. Somebody <laughs> from, yeah, somebody from New York, a Brooklyn <laughs> developer who's yeah. just discovered Philadelphia sort of thing. So any, any success stories yet? Anybody who's kind of gone through the whole training and has kind of become your, you know, your go-to example of how powerful this experience is, or it's still too, too soon? It's still too soon. I mean, I don't think we have a marquee project to say. I would say we have 60 success stories, right? Because we have all these residents that they they got it. I mean, I see them in the streets. You know, I see them when I'm walking through West Philly. I've run into them in other neighborhoods. I see them at business meetings. And, like, they're, they're really trying to do the work. They're all super involved. We've had a lot of students that wanted to come back and either volunteer or help offered to, like, help us administer the class, mm-hmm. do some of the harder things. Mm-hmm. Pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Pay it forward. I think that's great. They started their own social media kind of network where they're supporting each other and like going to events and like hosting events at like restaurants about, you know, investments. That's great. It's great. So I think that's been like the most exciting thing so far is to see how many people kind of gravitated around it. Yeah. Um, and, and created their own community. Yeah. It was like funny story. My roommate actually hired a private trainer. And so the trainer came to our house a couple of weeks ago and the trainer was one of our students. And like, you know, I happened to like be in the house and then <laughs> he's like, like I, I know you. And he was like, Oh, like you were the best teacher I ever had. Like you guys, the class was so great. And I was like, that's, that's who we're trying to get to. Right. The person that's like, you know, I'm doing all these different things and I want real estate to be one option for me. So this is really important, I think, and very instructive for other 
other nonprofits out there who want to work in a community is to find ways in which the the nonprofit can fully kind of infiltrates not the right word but kind of immerse itself in the community so that there's stickiness to the to the learning to the experience because it would be very easy for the four hour you know the four weeks of training to happen people had a great time enthusiastic and then afterwards it's like the circus left the town <laughs> and it's like how do we you know so it's really great that it's kind of become this self-sustaining community without you having to kind of constantly be pumping it pumping it pumping it to get people to interact with one another. That's really powerful. So Taya, um, I don't know the answer to this question, but do you invest in real estate right I now? I don't. You don't. Okay. Well, what would be your dream real estate project, whether as a from an architecture standpoint or ownership standpoint, what would be your dream real estate project? A dream real estate project for me would be some sort of small ecosystem, uh, probably a mixed use project. Um, an adaptive reuse. I mean, I'm an architect, so I really like old buildings. I like salvaging something that was there before. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really interesting and fun. And I like taking old things and trying to see like, how can they be reworked from modern times? Mm -hmm. You know, when you get like the old museum buildings that are like, you go in and they're like super modern, like that's really interesting to me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of the, um, it just kind of what I call aggressively modern when you talked about the aluminum clad, (laughs) Right. <laughs> oh man. So with the with your with your students that are going through the jumpstart training, what are some common mistakes that the newbies are making? What are some common things that oh, you see? So common things that, like you have we, to correct. that we harp on all the time. Read your contract, right? We have so many people that get so excited because it's a piece of property or it's a deal and they're not reading the fine tune details of small letters of the contract and you know we're like read it through we've advised everybody like the two most important things we've told all of our students going into any project is your lawyer which everybody hates to hear right but like get a good lawyer get it somebody you trust and your title company oh yeah like run title on these like there's so many especially in philadelphia like these properties are old there are so many things tangled out there yeah that could have an interest on this property there's liens like the city of philadelphia is great at leaning a property so like you know make sure there's nothing out here that's going to come back and kind of haunt you throughout your projects that's the last thing you need when you're in a construction project Mm -hmm. is for like some old you know ghost to pop up right like a bad ex yeah exactly (laughs) right So talk uh, about some of the mentors working with your participants. How did you find them and how are they assisting the the mentees? To- well, I'd say it's a collective. So uh, right now we're working really closely with Ryan Spack. Oh, yeah, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. So Ryan is doing work in West Philadelphia through Spack Group, but he was also a mentor for Jumpstart Germantown. So, you know, we all kind of knew him individually, but Ken had really suggested that we kind of engage him. So he's been great. He now does a lot of the first day of our class. We have Joshua Jones, who also is a Jumpstart Germantown graduate, but he actually came to one of our events. And so, you know, we've all been kind of working and talking to him offline. Mm -hmm. He comes every time and always brings such a unique and great perspective. 
because the CDCs are working in the neighborhood and Habitat's working in the neighborhood, like our lawyer, so we work with Regional Housing Legal Services at Habitat, and our lawyer, Judy Berkman, has come a few times and spoken to our students, and, like, she's always great. I mean, she keeps me covered at work. So, you know, we bring the folks that we work with every day. We've brought, there's a, a construction company in West Philadelphia called Pelican Construction. It's minority-owned. Um, he's kind of doing a similar model, but he's done some really unique things with legal projects that are like right in the neighborhood so he's come and he's walked the students through all of the things because you know he had a really interesting story and so that's great because I think we're trying to bring speakers where like they might resonate with the folks in the room like we're not trying to bring you know unfortunately we're not bringing the Wharton grad that like you know worked for the the post post brothers (laughs) post brother right we're not (laughs) Not, and they're all doing the work. Corbin and they, Brock, they, all, they all understand the work. <laughs> right, right, but We're right. trying to find people that if the, you know, if I'm a student in class, there's some part of their story. That's that, resonating. Like, resonating yeah. and like makes me think I can do this. Right, like, this exactly. person started off small and then grew. Or this person is from a neighborhood similar to mine or a background similar to mine. Or like maybe they didn't get formally trained in real estate and they had to go back and take the class. You know, they after they did right. jumpstart Germantown, you know, some of them, like everybody's has like a very unique story. Um, but a lot of our folks have um, been able to really like quit their day job and do this full time. That's great. So, you know, I think that's really important. The whole idea of people being able to the, the speaker at the front of the room is somebody that they can identify with or like you said, feel like, wow, that is realistic. That's accessible. I think that's that's really huge. So, you know, what's been the most surprising or rewarding thing about having the Jumpstart group? And you kind of touched on several different things, but looking back over the last year, right, um, what's been kind of most surprising or rewarding to you about it? That it's a year in and we're still here. Okay. We still got people (laughs) wanting to come to the class. I mean... That surprised you? I I mean, I feel like Jumpstart Germantown was a thing. And and for a long time, I I kept wondering, like, does it live with Ken? Right? Is it Ken that, that brings everyone to the class? Um, so I kept thinking, like, will this work? You know, as nonprofits, can we do this? Like, yes, we do this type of work and we're still doing similar types of houses, but we're not for profit housing mm-hmm. developers. Like, is what we're giving folks going to be relevant? Is it going to be helpful for them? Um, I think the fact that we're still, and I mean, we are like an unlikely pairing, right? You've got these five organizations that typically would not do this type of work. We are all in the business of either, you know, creating the housing ourselves, you know, some, like we've had a conversation early on, like, are you creating your own competition? Hmm. Interesting. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I think ultimately we decided it might be a good thing because right, we need right. we need more people. We need more folks doing this work. Yeah, I mean the 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 need is so great, and I mean, I, you know, not to get too woo woo on it, but I mean, there's enough pie for everybody. I mean, I just, I mean, just it's there's so much there's so much need, and I think the more people in the zone doing stuff, I think the better. Ultimately, the better. That's so, true. Yeah. Great. So what would you like the group to accomplish within the next, let's say, two to three years? Have you kind of thought that far ahead? What do we have? I mean, I think one, like we really haven't started our developers network. And so we need to really get Mm. that moving. Um, We had kind of a hope. We've been kind of sending our students to the jumpstart. Right. Citywide stuff. Um, But it would be great to kind of curate this group of folks that are doing the work in West Philadelphia specifically. I think it's it's a different 
vibe in each neighbor. You know, Philadelphia yeah. is a city of neighborhoods. Yeah. So like, you know, West Philly, even within West Philly, there's a hundred neighborhoods. So it's just so different in each one of the pockets. They all need a kind of very different thing. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to teach a class that addresses everything right i also think a common building type in west philadelphia is like where there's the store downstairs and then there's housing upstairs and in most of them the housing is vacant because the the person who's making money and the structure is making money and whatever the you know the first floor commercial business is and so you know jumpstart doesn't focus on commercial um and we're not even suggesting that that's the first project anyone do because they're so complicated so i think to get to a point where we see our students really be able to wrestle with that because many of them are coming in the door that's their hope um we also have a lot of students that want to do you know infill new construction because there's like what there is in west philly is a lot of vacant lots and so like jumpstart really is designed to only target vacant properties and when the market's going quick those are the hardest to get you do have an event coming up. We do. Can you talk a little bit about we that? We can. Is that open to the public? Or uh, it is. is. So August... I, a little birdie told me it might be sold out. It might be sold out, guys. Okay, but know. still talk about it. Still Stuff talk about it. It like Beyonce okay. tickets. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're doing a, a summer convening on August 1st. So that's next Thursday at the Enterprise Center. Um, I think tickets are $15. Uh, don't quote me. I bought mine like the day. You had to buy yours? I had to buy it. Look, okay. man, it's an ecosystem. You got to support yourself. Okay. <laughs> but it's going to be a really good event. It's called Meet the Developers. We've got um, James Wright from PEC is moderating. And, you know, he's been in the neighborhood working a long time. And we're featuring three uh, speakers. So we've got Matthew Grant from Shift Capital, who I think spoke on this show yeah, a little bit Matthew's ago. Matthew's great. We've also got Leslie Smallwood Lewis from She's great. Mosaic. She's awesome. Um, and then there's somebody else. Who am I forgetting? Ryan, Ryan Speck. Ryan. Yep. It's an all-star. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the dream team. <laughs> yeah, you've got your all-star all-star panel. Yeah, that, so that's great. We're also uh, partnering with uh, the Enterprise Center has another program called the Construction Consortium, which is working mm. with kind of like upstart uh, construction entrepreneurs who are either trying to do MBE, which is, you know, their minority business enterprise, women business enterprise, or disabled business enterprise certification. And so they're kind of like trying to connect them to resources. We've been talking to them for like the last few months because one of the biggest gaps we're hearing from a lot of folks is like, I can't find a contractor. And we're like, well, there's this group in the neighborhood wow. that's <laughs> trying to do the same thing we're doing with you, but with contractors. contractors. Like, oh, that's great. So this is the first event we're doing together which is really great um so kind of bring the groups together and see like can we create kind of like a synergy in the room um that's great so that sounds like a little bit like a pilot of your developers network a little potentially bit. yeah so <laughs> is it, that's what we're hoping okay okay <laughs> well, see. well I, I heard it was sold out so i think you guys oh. are off to a, a strong start so so Taya, for people who want to get in touch with you or learn more about Habitat for Humanity, Jumpstart West Philly, and all the work that you're doing, where can they find you online? So you can find me, um, my email is tyaw at habitatphiladelphia.org. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, I'm also on social media. I'm not uh, much on Twitter anymore, but you know, oh, it's toxic. I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to find. If you Google my name, I'm probably, I'm probably, my, my house number probably pops up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and for the, um, the next cohort of Jumpstart West Philly, are, are the application uh, uh, still open or is that closed for the fall? Do people still have an opportunity? Not yet. So we're, we're probably going to reopen applications in the fall to do a fall cohort. Um, and we're still timing it. But I think right now it's the four weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. 
Well, folks, we've been talking today with Taya Wynn, Director of Project Planning for Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia, and she's also one of the leaders of Jumpstart West Philly. Thank you for coming in today. It's been really great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And maybe you can come back in a few months with one of your mentees. Or that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fabulous. So folks, that's a wrap for another episode of the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. For those of you out there listening, I want to hear from you. Send me an email with your comments and suggestions. You can reach me at jumpstartphillyradio at gmail.com. Also remember to subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Just do a search for the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with another fine interview. Until then, have a great weekend, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.